My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Grassroots, the only podcast aimed squarely at the women's grassroots game. In this drop goal of an episode, we discuss captaincy with Katie, we welcome the brilliant Renee from the Madawi Marauders in Australia, and Sherry Souls, in inverted commas, another listener dilemma. We also announce our first competition winner in partnership with Halbro, look at how to balance the leadership group in a team, and Jody bamboozles us all with knock on, knock off. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for five. Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So Sarah, I hear you disgrace yourself with the Bayes and the Guinness again today. It was kombucha. They upped the game. It's a, it's had a live culture and so it foamed in my mouth and just came out. I wasn't sick, it just was a kombucha. Was it the 15 vodkas you had beforehand uh, that, that did it? Or was it? <laughs> no comment, no comment. You know the reason I started rugby? Go on. Because of death. Because of death? Come on, Dal- Dalvey. Oh, are we getting deep now? Yeah, I, started, deep. I started rugby because my dad passed away when I was 17 and I, I wanted a reason to connect with him. And my brother played. Did you play, play rugby? Yeah, he did. My brother used to play for Cheshire. So I thought, as a way to connect with my dad, I thought I'd get into it. And I started at his local club, and then I moved to Crew because it was contact based. And I cried our first Magpies game because it was really upsetting to not be on a pitch and see him on the sideline because that's how used I was to see him. Mm. And ever since then, I've played rugby in the hopes that you know every game my dad watches down on me. What? That's such a good soft song. Really... I was going to actually <laughs> take the piss then. I just thought I'm very glad to be in right now. We all have reasons to play. Yeah. Katie, it's great to have you on the podcast. I, I'm conscious that you're one of these people. You're like a, a recurring theme on our podcast. We mentioned Constant you time and time again. <laughs> and none of our listeners actually have a fucking clue who you are. So you're known by well, reputation and by deed. I did have someone post on my page, are you Katie Six Poos? I was like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's me. (laughs) So, yeah, people are starting to put two and two together. Or three and three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're being spotted. Although I do feel that's an exaggeration. I actually down to two pre-match poos now. I thought it might increase this year being captain, but it's actually managed to hold a steady two. Oh, it's good to be known for some really cool stuff, though, right? Yeah, it's yeah, good it to is. be known for my amazing rugby ability. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say to our listeners, actually, what you'll notice on this episode is we can hear Jodie really well. And we can also hear Katie really well. And that's due to the fabulous donations of our listeners who have contributed to our Sort of Jodie Sound Out Fund. I can't wait to listen back and hear what I sound like. Do I sound like really sexy? Is it coming across like... Peak. You're sounding hot, Jodie. If I was a woman of a certain age based in crew, I'd want you to take me to the Mega Bowl in Stoke for a night out. That, that way. Mean, <laughs> means so much coming from you, Matt, oh honestly. God. I probably won't listen to this episode because I hate my voice. I'm even more horrified that this is actually being recorded. Do you know who also hates your voice, Katie? It's all the referees in the Northwest. Yeah, most of my team. <laughs> Everyone from crew and Nantwich, ladies. My kids, my husband. <laughs> Anyone I work with. 
Exactly. <laughs> People of Memory Village. Probably the listeners, Katie is one of the game's true characters, fantastic player in her own right, and is captain of Crew and Ladies. So I thought we'd do an episode today about what it's like captaining a women's team. So I know every time I bring this subject up with you, Katie, you do one of two things. You either explode in rage, shed a tear, or rock quietly in a ball in the corner of the room. So I'm guessing after a, a social where only you disgrace yourself, there's not too much drama that's uh, on top yeah, of your list yeah. this week. No, actually. Hold on a minute. She wasn't place. the only one who disgraced herself. No, I really wasn't. Sarah was sick after about 30 minutes of being there. Do you remember that, Jodie? What, why was she actually sick? It was like a shot of Bailey's with something. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's what happens to her. She just oh. can't keep it down. No, I don't think she even shot it. I think it was the smell. Apparently, it was expanding oh. her mouth and she just couldn't keep no, it down. No, no. It was outside just by the step. Every time everyone went outside, like, hold up. Wait, don't turn in the Sarah sick. But what was minging is she had this tissue that she'd wiped it up with. I'm sure she had it tucked up her sleeve for ages. And we were like, do you want to get rid of that? She's like, no, no. Bit souvenir. <laughs> I'm sure it's Bailey's in the Guinness and not some expanding foam or something. By the sounds of it, it went in and just like exploded Look, out. Of I had mind. a shot of Nando's fermented tea, which has now been discontinued. And I can understand why. <laughs> and um, Bailey's <laughs> with a bean on top. A bean? What kind of bean? Like a broad a bait, bean? A bait, a, bean. a bait one. A bait bean. Why a bait bean? Very random. I think it was what we had left over. Did anyone else have to do a shot of beans? Because I remember afterwards, you know, you get a bean skin wrapped around your teeth and you're like, oh, <laughs> got that for half an hour. I do remember turning up and going, what the fuck has happened to the socials? It used to be 15 pints and a kebab. Now it's bait beans, cake. Inclusive. Um, inclusive. Christmas room. milk, whatever. I'm like, what's going on? We cater for non-drinkers. Vegans, gluten-free, we've got everything covered. Even people on diets. Well, I think most people ended up on a, some kind of diet after throwing up the contents of everything they ate that day. Yeah, I was one That's of those. That's my diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Jodie. Oh, Took me a while to get that then. <laughs> I was like, Jodie, you weren't sick, were you? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Well, so if anybody in, in the crew area got a kebab randomly delivered to their house at two in the morning, Jodie'd like yeah. it back at some point. Yeah, so I got home Saturday, Sunday morning, let's be honest, got a taxi back. I had curly fries on the way in the taxi. I was I'm still hungry. But I'll go and just eat, see what's open. One kebab house. I'll order what I can. Minimum spend and delivery fee come up to 20 quid. I thought, oh, it's going to take an hour to get here. Right, I'll go get changed, get my jammies, go downstairs, sit on the sofa. Just close my eyes a second. I wake up. It's daylight. I've got about 10 missed calls from the kebab house, like three voicemails telling me they just left me food outside. I go outside, oh. there's no food. It's just a fox out there looking Maybe very Maybe a badger full. or something <laughs> ate it. And took all the polystyrene with them. Yeah. Well, foxes are very cunning. Maybe they use the cutlery. That's a travesty, Jodie. I had a 16-inch pizza and chip, which was a bit excessive for one person. <laughs> but I felt so hungry. I mean, I did share it with Scott's sister. She didn't eat yeah, much, that, though. That bean didn't touch the sides. No. That bean did not. Well, that bean came <laughs> flying out on the patio for the rifleman. It's currently embedded in the wall. <laughs> yeah, with the fermented tea. You can see why Nando's don't sell it anymore. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Anyway, Katie, talk me through what it's like being the captain of a women's team. Well, obviously, I'm going to have to choose my words because the chances are the teammates are going to hear this. Don't want to totally demoralise them. <laughs> You've never demoralised him on the pitch before, Katie? No. Without apologising afterwards. (laughs) Sorry, girls. I'd say 
it's a lot harder than I thought it was. My best friend said to me, because I'd wanted to be captain for a while, she goes, just be careful what you wish for. And I was like, nah, nah, it's going to be amazing. It's my chance to step up and learn some new skills, push myself a bit. My God, I was not expecting the challenge of captain. It is a lot harder than I thought it was. It's trying to get the emotional balance of the whole team, isn't it? And as you know, I'm not the most diplomatic or tactile of characters so I think that's probably been my hardest thing is actually understanding each and every player and how to maybe deliver instructions and support and be the best guidance and help that I can for them it has been really hard but at the same time when it all comes together on game day it's also amazingly rewarding so yeah I'd say it's a a role of highs and lows pre-Christmas it was deaf when we had only won one game. I think it was definitely a few lows. But post-Christmas, since we've really turned around our performance and got another couple of wins in the bag, it's been really good. A lot more positive and I have really enjoyed it. Renee, thank you so much for joining us. I was delighted when I picked up your message. I had no idea that the podcast had reached as far afield as Australia. Uh, one of our friends from our team um, last year, she's a Kiwi, isn't she, Lee? So she's been listening. So yeah. I've seen the New Zealand listen pop up occasionally, but I had no idea it got that far. I guess my first question, Renee, is how on earth did you find us? <laughs> That's a pretty good question, actually. Because um, I've just become president of our club, I've been trying to build women's rugby not well just women playing sport in general but in particular rugby and so I joined the uh, women's rugby network which is UK based I didn't realize when I first clicked but there's so much information on there and then the grassroots podcast popped up started listening to it and I couldn't switch it off (laughs) I'm actually quite surprised that it travels because it is so idiosyncratic to I guess not just the UK rugby scene but also our neck of the woods to some degree as well so uh, do you find there's a lot of similarity between what you hear us talking about and what goes on down under yeah I think that's what surprised me also was uh, there was a lot of relatable content on there even just the one about the showers I was like oh yeah I've always thought about this why don't we talk about it (laughs) all this shit happens in every rugby club but no one actually talks about it that's the thing and I think that's where our podcast comes in because we actually talk about the stuff that no one else does exactly Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. Oh, one of my other favourite segments is the ref one. Stupid ref. <laughs> stupid ref. I'm not going to lie, we're running a bit light on stupid ref stories. Have you got any good Australian ones? Oh, of course I do, yeah. I would say my favourite one was the most recent one. It was one of our last games last year in 15s and our coach was on the side and the captain, I was vice captain at the time, and our captain was on the field. And the coach yells out to the captain, which you're allowed to do, tell the ref no hands in the ruck type thing. And he might have been a little bit aggro about it, but the ref gave him a yellow card. After <laughs> <laughs> talking to our captain, he spoke to him later and he apologised, but there's nothing you can do once you're given the yellow card. <laughs> it's Yellow's tough. a yellow. You can't <laughs> take a yellow back. So, really, tell us all about your club then, your team. You know, what's the the women's rugby scene like out where you are? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I started my rugby obsession back in South Australia, so the middle of Australia. And if you know um, Australia much, we have the AFL or the Australian rules. 
So that area is actually more focused on AFL, which is very manic and crazy. I played that season last year and it was just nuts compared to rugby. But, yeah, I started there and um, then I moved overseas to New Zealand. I should have played there. That's one of my biggest regrets. But then I came to New South Wales to a little country town called Madawi because I work at the university in Newcastle. And so it's about 30 kilometres north from where I work. And it's just a little town, get my hair done. Someone said there's a women's game later and I was like, count me in. That's it. I'm back in it. <laughs> so that was three years ago and I've been embedded into the club ever since. The team actually started back up in 2019. They're still relatively new and most of our girls have never played rugby before. So we play in the Hunter competition against a very well-established team. So we get throttled every time, but every time we go back, we're all smiles at the end of the game, covered in bruises, which we love. But yeah, so three years later, and we're actually filling most of our teams, which we struggled to do in the first two years. So yeah. Are there many clubs fairly local to you? There's not very local to us in Madawi. It's um, in the Hunter region. So I guess it depends what you call close. But yeah, within our competition, Last year, I think we had um, four other teams. We're hoping for more this year. Yeah, it just makes sense, but it's just finding the girls to come play, I guess. it's COVID's really put a hinder on it. So, yeah, we've struggled to get teams to fill their teams as well as us. But, yeah, hopefully this year we get more teams involved in the competition and it sort of makes us feel a little bit capable if we go against other clubs that are a little bit more rural like us. So the thing that I always find blows my mind with Australia is how big the place is. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. at a map now of where you are, and I think oh, it's not too far from Sydney. But I'm guessing it's like a 10-hour drive or something crazy, is it? <laughs> it's about two hours, and I've never lived on this side of uh, Australia before, but it's a beautiful area, nice and tropical and warm. It is quite out the way, but I grew up in the country, so that's what I, I like about the area. It is a beautiful place. I imagine the main challenge you have probably where you are is things like hard ground this time of year. We have the opposite problem. We have to have somebody on hand to resuscitate people who are drowning on the pitch sometimes uh, it, when we play rugby in the, in the winter months. What's it like over there? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Some of our pitches that we have actually have cricket on them in the middle oh of God. the oval. And uh, yeah, I remember last year, I've still got scars on my arms from getting tackled on the uh, yeah, the dry clay ground. <laughs> I had yeah. that in South Africa, actually, because the cricket pitch is really heavily compacted, isn't it? Yeah. So you have a relatively normal playing field, and obviously the grass is let to grow long, so it doesn't feel too hard. Then right in the middle, there'll be a cricket square, just running along as normal, and then you run straight into concrete, which, yeah, is not a nice experience, is it? <laughs> no. We played, um, the pitch I'm talking about is against the Waratah girls, and they're an amazing group of people. We absolutely love playing them. They're the hardest to hit and they'll give you bruises and sore ribs but we were just having a bit of fun towards the end and they're like let's just move over a meter and i'll go down here (laughs) (laughs) love it love it so you mentioned about the challenges of growing the game and covid and so on how popular is women's rugby in your area generally is it still is it a relatively emerging sport is it a bit like some of the areas here where there are a lot of teams fighting over the same players it's definitely growing and i think it's sort of been sort of level for a while but they're really pushing to get more women in rugby from um, like the organizers so they're lo- holding a lot of girls come try rugby days but I think it's should have been done earlier 
So I think, you know, back five years ago, they should have been trying to build up women's rugby. I know in particular areas around Sydney and whatnot, they've got really good, well-established teams. But within the Hunter region, I think it's got a lot of growing to do. We just don't have the pipeline. So I think I've heard you talk about that. And it's very similar here where we don't actually have a year break. I think you guys have a year break between 12 and 13 or something where it's you struggle to find positions for your girl players. Here we just struggle to find the players from juniors. So I've got my daughter who plays under nines. We've got an under 13s team, but we have to join up with another team just finding the pipeline of girls to get pushed through all the way to seniors. And they are working on it now, but they should have been working on it. Yeah, that's still a work in progress here as well. I think that's always going to be a bit of a struggle. Maybe it's just a perception. I know from speaking to people that it has definitely changed over the years, but sport has always felt like it's much more deeply grained in Australian culture than it is compared to British culture. Are you seeing girls playing sport into their teens pretty well or is there a drop-off? And we find in the UK that when girls hit to their teenage years, there's a huge fall-off of participation across all sports, not just rugby. It's the same here um, because I've really started to look into this area. I see my daughter and I don't want to get her to the teen years and then her quit. I think it's about 80% of girls drop off in teen years. Um, I remember looking at the statistics a while ago, but I might be slightly off, but it is quite high. So, yeah, we've started um, all the footy codes in our local area have started this sports for all network and we've got funding for it and it's just about making sure that women have child minding capabilities at games so at our beach rugby game tomorrow we have some babysitters which is awesome and then just trying to get more girls into sports in general and we're hoping that if we start with their mums that hopefully they'll be healthy role models for them. We're doing all sorts with the local footy codes. So that's soccer. We've got um, football, which is the AFL, Australian footy, and then also the rugby. And we also share players, which is awesome yeah. too. So I think that's something that generally the sport could do better at, and that's collaborate across different sports. I think what we have in the UK is we have the winter sports and the summer sports. And mm. I think rugby could do with moving a month or two towards the summer months but the argument against is always yeah but that impinges on things like cricket and kind of agree with that but I think there's definitely a place for me for people to be able to play both netball and rugby or footy and you know our soccer and and rugby I think we're a bit too precious about who plays what where for me it's just about more people playing more stuff yeah exactly and I think there's always this sort of competition between clubs oh, don't poach our players, or what if you take uh, so-and-so from rugby and she likes AFL more? Yeah, we find that it's quite heavily ingrained here, but hopefully the past year and this year we're going to overcome that. But, yeah, the AFL girls are awesome, so we've been working together for ages and I played my first season last year as a rugby player so it was pretty funny, but I did learn how to catch a ball better. So that was yeah, That is one crazy game. Have you ever seen it, Lou? Never I've seen some Aussie rules games and I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. One minute they're running with the ball, next minute they're like hitting the ball with their hands and they're kicking it and they're having a massive fight. What is the general objective? It's yeah. like, like the Australian version of hurling, but without the stick. It's very similar, actually. Yeah, it's very similar <laughs> to Gaelic football, yeah. Similar game in Ireland, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Gaelic Total. football yeah. very similar. yeah. But yeah, it is a very manic game and sometimes you just scramble for the ball, it looks like. It looks like anything goes. It's a very goes. slippery, slippery, heavy ball. So, are they? Yeah. I think it requires a lot of running, doesn't it? Because the pitches are quite uh, big. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, luckily I was quite fit last year and I was able to run through um, the game, but I was always on the defence in the AFL team. So I was lucky I was a good tackler. So I remember my first game and I just rugby tackled one of their top players on the opposite team and she just laid on the ground and I was like, oh, you know, I just forgot what I was doing. I'm so sorry. I just took it out. I thought it was full contact. It, oh, it is, but um, she bent down and so I got a high tackle on her. So you tackled yeah, off the ball um, high. You, you basically ripped her head off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and I think that was in my first five minutes. So the, the girls were happy about that. <laughs> At least you laid the law down fairly early on. Yeah, you're just making a statement, weren't you? The AFL equivalent of run down my channel and you'll know about it, Sunshine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then um, one of my last games, I just picked up the ball and I did the whole, you know, like shoulder rolls through the players, palming them off. And they're like, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely lessons to learn. So what position do you play personally, Rene, in the, in the rugby pitch? I play a uh, second row. So usually uh, I don't play flank, I play the, um, the lock. I'm really bad at remembering um, those positions. I remember my number, but yeah, so I play lock. I used to play wing, but now I'm too slow and old. The number on your shirt just gradually goes down. <laughs> and then, but then it starts again. As you get older, you go from fifteen to one, and then you go back to twenty-three again. Once you get too old to actually start the match, that's what I found. I decided oh, to quit when I got to four. I thought, <laughs> right, that's it. I'm not going lower than four. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I actually really like going in the forwards now too. I find that I get bored in the backs, so sometimes I get put back in um, fullback. But yeah, I get bored, and I just always end up back in line again instead of waiting for the ball to get kicked. <laughs> Over here, if you're in the backs, often you can get cold and you're wet and it's rainy and windy and you're just absolutely freezing all match. I guess it's totally the opposite where you are. <laughs> it does get cold, but not to the same extent. Like, geez, the go- some of the photos I see on the rugby network with people training in ice cold conditions. Oh, my goodness. Gloves and pants. Oh, yeah, we don't have that. One of our players, this is not actually a joke, she was unavailable for selection because she had frostbite after playing in the snow. That's nuts, yeah. We don't have that. I think the yeah. coldest we'll probably get here, which would be really cold, is 14. So, yeah. Oh, Jesus, that's like <laughs> summer for us. <laughs> yeah. Imagine a state of Molly after 40 minutes of rugby in Australia. I'd say 80. She'd never make 80. She'd have died of sunstroke by the time 45 minutes came around. Me and Molly get sunburn it. 11 degrees (laughs) so yeah so where we're based in the uk we have about i don't know seven to eight hours of daylight a month i reckon sunshine a month (laughs) i'm from a little island called the isle of Wight off the south coast of england which is one of the sunniest places in the uk and i must have been very very drunk when i decided to take a job in the northwest but when i arrived here i thought the first year i was here i thought you know what that must have just been a bad summer turns out it was the best summer they've had in about 50 years (laughs) Oh, that's depressing. I think that's why, because my husband's from Dursley in Bristol. I think that's why he moved here. Oh, it's pretty wet. Bristol's pretty wet, yeah. yeah. His family's from the Isles of Silly, so, Oh, it's yeah. beautiful down there. I need to go there. I've only been to Dursley, but, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. People. I don't know, but I can't imagine playing rugby in really hot weather. I actually really like playing it in the cold and the wet. I don't know, maybe that I'm just conditioned. I do like it when it rains, yeah. <laughs> it cools you down. But we do have our beach rugby tournament tomorrow here in Newcastle. I'm guessing beach rugby where you are compared to beach rugby where we are is extremely different. <laughs> I haven't actually seen the beach. I'll have to have a look at what beach rugby looks what, like over there. The nearest beach to us, 
is probably real, isn't it? In terms of <laughs> actual proximity, not the best beach, just the beach. You've basically got three chances of survival. You beat the incoming tide. You manage to have a natural immunity to hepatitis from the hypodermic syringe you tread on when you're playing. Stop it. <laughs> or the last one, you've got, you're actually a pretty good swimmer in a well-conditioned to cold water. It's not the kind of place that you want to play beach rugby. If you went out too far, you'd probably sink up to your neck in mud as well. So it's not a great beach rugby destination, has to be said. Although saying that, there are some parts of the southwest where beach rugby is brilliant. North Devon coast around there, it's gorgeous. So you've got to yeah. wrap up warm probably still, but it's good. <laughs> I couldn't imagine playing on the beach in the cold, but I guess it's, yeah, we got like the five minute halves. And I remember last year it was just hectic, 40 degrees. So luckily it's only oh. going to be 26 tomorrow. Um, oh, only. Wow. wow. Yeah. Only. Otherwise known as the hottest day on record. In- <laughs> 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 luckily we'll just cool down in the beach, but um, yeah, yeah, it'll be right. a pretty full on day, I'd say. Do you think that the conditions in Australia shape the way you play as well? I think it would be quite the same. I'm trying to think if there's any differences. But, yeah, you usually... break every 10 minutes for a, for a cold beer and a, a Oh, no, yeah, we definitely have the 40-minute halves, yeah. And, you know, we usually don't have a bench either, so it's just usually if you get tired or hot, you just get pushed out to the wing and try and get someone else in. But I think it's pretty much the same. We're just accustomed to it. With us, the game can be quite slow, can't it, when you've got very strong winds and things to play in. And you're trudging through mud, yeah. And you turn up to the club and they're sweeping the lying water off the pitch into a bin. Yeah. I remember seeing somebody in a game I was playing and he lost a boot in the mud and we'd never found it. We just couldn't find it. <laughs> it, it. His foot went straight in. He pulled his leg out. And said, I'll go and get that boot in a minute. I'll just finish the next breakdown. Went back and there's just so much mud. He didn't know where to start looking. So we were like five of us <laughs> on our hands and knees trying to find this boot and in the end we just gave up and found him another pair it's probably still there for all i know be in some museum in a million years time they'll have found it a fossilized rugby boot and i think it's some weird species of animal that was um lost in the back before the previous ice age or something <laughs> well yeah we get closed our fields get closed if it if it's too wet and muddy so we're not actually allowed to generally though we only really shut for frozen pitches don't we yeah like mud is part of the game to a point we have a thing about standing water, but usually yeah, we just Yeah, because it's a drowning hazard, let's be Yeah, we just put some cones around it so <laughs> don't run through that. <laughs> like a wet water sign. Yeah. When it's frozen, we yeah we might have to shut up shop then because that can be quite dangerous. I was going to say, that could cut you up, couldn't it? Oh, it can. It's bad. Yeah, it's not very nice. So what's the post-game culture like over there? After a match here, we, we tend to play little games, maybe down some pints, that kind of stuff. What, what do you do in Australia after a match? It's usually the boat race, so I think you've got something like that as well. Things seem to remember. Yeah, but we yeah, do, but... That was a mince pie boat race. That was a, that was a one-off special, wasn't it? The mince pie boat race. Yeah, Christmas we did a mince pie boat race, so Not we all had a mince... You know what a mince pie is, though, Yeah, right? I did get confused when I first heard it, thinking it was a meat pie, which I was quite that, that easily... That would to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I asked. Yeah, so a mince pie, we're in two lines obviously it was a boat race so you had to down your pint and then eat your mince pie until all the mince pie is in your mouth and then the next person can start their drink actually brutal <laughs> yeah, so i don't think i'd enjoy that one <laughs> i'm going to start a new tradition this year because i really want to get the post-game community afterwards or the socializing afterwards to increase because sometimes we just do the boat race and everyone just scatters 
Um, I really want people to stay, you know, both teams to enjoy post rugby rather than just waiting for the rugby bus to hit. Thanks for that quote. (laughs) 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 I found a cup, a Marauders Women's Players Player Cup, because we did a big clean out. We just got a new clubhouse. So on the weekend, we did a massive clean out and we found all this old stuff and this cup being from when the women's were established before, many years ago. So we're going to have a uh, player's player every game and they have to hold the cup. They're not allowed to put it down and we have to top it up. If it gets put down, they'll get a fine. So that's going to be the new tradition. Hmm. So what we often do, each captain gives a little bit of a speech at the end and says what they thought their team did well, what the opposition did well, and they nominate best player for the opposition and best player for their own team. And then the opposing team does the same. And then they often do dick of the day as well. And then everybody stands in a row and has to down their pints as one in front of everybody else. That's quite a nice tradition, really. And that's fairly fairly standard free women's rugby in the UK. Yeah, actually, they do something very similar for AFL. And I think that's when I realised that our team or the women's rugby in the Hunter don't do too much. Like, I don't know what the other teams do, but it's nothing with us because we just scatter. We also do this thing called team court on the buses on the way back from away games. We have this thing. It hasn't been used for a while, actually, because it was missing in action, presumed stolen. But we've got this thing called the cup of truth. Uh, And the cup of truth is used. (laughs) to find players for various misdemeanors on the coaches on the way back. Those coaches have seen some sights over the years, that's for sure. But that can be usually quite silly, quite fun. But it's also like a big part of rugby in the UK is the fines system. Fines and generally piss-taking. Yeah, sometimes it's monetary. You have to be fined a pound because you were late for the bus or something like that, and the, the money all goes in the kitty for end-of-season drinks or something. Or it's forfeit-based, which could be quite funny. Although, do not ever sentence anybody to eating an onion because it is the most appalling thing. Um, <laughs> but the great thing about the network is like, you constantly hear about new versions. In fact, we were chatting about one the other daily, weren't we, that we're going to perhaps work up as an idea. So more on that later. <laughs> it's, it's fairly rude, um, but fairly women's rugby. I can't reveal too much. My children aren't quite in bed yet. A newer, new-ish thing around here is a straight arm pint so that's become a thing and that's that's a fine for the dick of the day so yeah you have to go and do a straight, straight arm on pint. Fine, brilliant straight on bag of flowers also quite amusing <laughs> so what's the dick of the day um who gets that so someone who's done something totally stupid on the pitch it's not meant in a horrible way it's meant in a just a, a light-hearted piss-taking way you know like Someone accidentally scored a try, but they were on the five-yard line rather than the actual try line. Or (laughs) someone presented the ball to the opposition rather than to their own team. Something just silly. And so, yeah, everyone does stupid shit on the rugby pitch, right? And it's just a light-hearted way of saying, yeah, dick of the day. (laughs) We've actually got a T-shirt that says you have to wear it. And you put it on and it's got printed on it, dick of the day. (laughs) <laughs> in fact a lot of teams have something similar they have hats or things that pass down through generations that they use for dick of the day they all have these different things like they have different drinks as well that they have for, for their teams like one team i spoke to had this what was it porton oh i forget now some kind of porton's um cider combo or something it sounded horrible uh that they have as a sort of team drink so i think these little traditions are a really good way of kind of establishing a team culture aren't they 
yeah yeah and also a recognition thing as well so it's 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 a horrible way to recognize someone doing something good (laughs) (laughs) sounds crazy right yeah absolutely so what are your plans for the season then as a team then Renee because we're still trying to get our team competitive with the other teams. So I guess as a rugby team, I want to try and really build the tight group that are always at training, uh, come at every game day if they can, unless they're like COVID sick. Um, but yeah, so that's one thing. And it's just, I think building the team culture like you were just describing is going to really help that. And so that's why I really want to get this post-game traditions started. So maybe Dick of the Day is the next tradition to start. <laughs> I'll talk to the girls. When you let your first Dick of the Day, you've got to tell us all about it and put a picture on. I think that's I'm it. Sure it's I'm a good. milestone in any rugby team's life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'll probably get it quite often, eh? <laughs> the socials are a really good thing to do as well. So give yourselves a week off from training and go and do something fun instead no kids and no agenda and just go and do something a bit different off the pitch that's a great way to build a good team oh awesome yeah we'll definitely do that did you have the same problem that we do in the sense that you kind of build a team and then there's a turnover of players players just you know don't change change teams they stop playing they relocate that kind of stuff does that happen quite regularly over in australia for our particular team uh, we get a lot of players who come try out for a few times and then just won't come back or things happen and their uh, schedules changed so yeah we find um it's hard to get players who are, are there in it for the long haul i think other teams are fine they've got their established teams and they've got people who play for the upper levels or the hunter wildfires but we don't really have that yet. So You mentioned shower etiquette. What's the situation like in Australia? The clubs I've played for, it's different. So the clubs in South Australia, yep, everyone showered. <laughs> and, it, yeah, it wasn't even an issue. Whereas here, I think it had something to do with the fact that our old club room was that bad that no one wanted to shower and we just went home oh. to do it. <laughs> oh, God, was it a bit grim. Yeah, but I think that will change this year because our new clubhouse has everything we need and everything drains and there's no dirty jocks or anything like that oh god i suppose as well you don't have the same problem that we have with mud so you can just brush off the dust and uh, get yourselves home wait for it to dry out and get the blower on it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah we need a pressure washer yeah we (laughs) need a pressure washer and some bleach Really, look, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on today. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. It's, uh, it's been really interesting talking to somebody, not just so far away, and it's, I, I still find it amazing that you picked up the pod, but also just to hear that it's very much the same. I mean, what would you say are the main issues facing the women's game in Australia? I think it's getting girls and women to know that they can actually take hits. We are strong and we are confident. We can be confident. And we just need to like, be able to get that ingrained in us just like, the boys do so I think that's the thing people just think that women are not built I've actually had people say women are not built for rugby so obviously I don't believe that no I definitely don't believe that no and really from a personal perspective what is rugby given to you outside of work I've only got family so it's given me that social aspect that I don't usually have and I just love the game so finding something that you love to play and you just look forward to it even though you get the nervous part as well but yeah just getting those hit ups with the ball just a bit of confidence and something out of my element yeah i just love it 
I've really loved hearing your story, actually, Rani, and I can't wait to hear some updates from you, actually. Really hope you start Dick of the Day. <laughs> that would just make oh, my year. Oh, God. Dick of the Day. It's going to start. Yeah, yeah. I'll not even get the men's to do it as well. Oh, it'll it, be yeah. my new order of presidency. <laughs> yeah. No poo in a pocket, though, please. No, that no was... poo in the pocket. I was. I have not heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody oh, had. It was made up in a, some kind of fever dream, I think. Like it wasn't. It was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to us. We've been delighted that you picked it up, but best of luck for the upcoming season. Yeah, thanks, Sam. This is quite exciting. So you've got a captain of a women's team and two former vice captains, actually. And also Jody, and- the stress of a captain. <laughs> the sort of player that stresses the captain out beyond measure. <laughs> we all need our own roles. <laughs> <laughs> the, ag- the aggravator. Obviously, those of you that have played under Katie's captaincy, how would you describe the the motivational talks when uh, you're under your own posts and are losing by 15 points? Terrifying. Oh, God. <laughs> Traumatic. Positive. Interesting. Get your head down your asses. Move now. Fucking, you've got <laughs> something left in the tank. Get going. There's a lot of swearing. <laughs> a lot of stick. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm the calmest under pressure. <laughs> I don't think I'd be a good paramedic, that's for sure. <laughs> that's what this role has taught me. So Sherry describes it earlier as on the pitch, you generally spend 80 minutes offending your entire team and then the next three days apologising for your behaviour. <laughs> yes, it's a draining cycle. And then usually by Wednesday, I'm sort of on an even keel and I go, I'm just going to take a step back this week. Just, you know. <laughs> and then the whole thing just... <laughs> starts again oh yeah i say it's been a learning curve but i don't think i've changed much i've just realized that maybe leadership's not for me (laughs) (laughs) i'm more of a lone ranger more of a free spirit (laughs) shouldn't speak because i never actually told you you ever tell you what happened when i used to be pack leader of my own team i got stripped of the title is that why you no longer play for them anymore and they were like it's better if you just don't speak i was like oh Okay. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I think I was just a bit ranty. I mean, I did do a speech once in my first ever season there. And my speech was, when I first met you, I thought you were all dickheads. But actually, <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> I didn't use the word dickhead. I used the C word as well. The C oh, word. We can say that on the podcast. Yeah, we don't have many limits, but I think, you know. Maybe one of my motivational speeches would be, be too much. Podcast. So Molly, as vice captain to Katie, I'm guessing you're tasked with clearing up some of the mess, but also, <laughs> but also <laughs> looking after the players that are perhaps a little bit more sensitive. What's it like? I think pre-Christmas, Katie might have underestimated the one, how diplomatic you have to be even when you don't really want to be. Two, actually how time consuming captain is. It takes a lot of time. I think it's really good to have a mix of the captain and vices being very different. Because if there was three Katie's, Christ, we'd have no team left. But actually, what we'd have three Katie's, and that's it. Yeah, what Katie does bring that sometimes I think me and Goose don't always deliver is the fact of old school rugby. Let's bring the boom. This is what needs doing. We need to get a bit angry. We need to be annoyed with ourselves, and we need to just you know bring the boom. And sometimes, if you've got you know someone going, guys, I think we should just get to the next rock or whatever it's not quite the same as fucking move your asses so i think actually the intensity has been really good and refreshing 
some of the comments made by anybody, you can say in the wrong way. I've pissed many people off in my time as captain and you have to kind of regroup your thoughts, apologise and, and say, actually, I've learned maybe that wasn't the best for that person. But I do think it's quite hard to make your voice be heard with 22 women who are all very, very different. Like what makes you motivated, Matt, isn't going to make Louise motivated, vice versa. What makes Jodie motivated? isn't going to make me motivated. So not one person can ever nail it 100%. There's always going to be someone that goes, oh, I didn't really like the way you said that. So it's about how do you channel what Katie said or whoever the captain is said and take that on board and, and it motivates you. And I have to say, I think Katie's done a cracking job, although she does think that she's potentially not. I think it's <laughs> just what I am we a, needed. I love child of Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Topical, topical. Yeah, it's very topical. Yeah. I do feel I have adapted quite a bit as well. And you might disagree, Jodie, or I think Molly would agree with this, but I think I have slightly uh, toned myself down, softened, mellowed. Yeah. Mellowed. Yeah. I just come home and scream into a pillow, get a knife from the cupboard and stab my sofa. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's been the hardest thing. Because I think, like Molly, obviously, Molly was the captain before me. Is that predecessor? I had some big, very significant shoes to fill. Literally, I do have size nine, <laughs> size nine feet. Some big shoes to fill. And actually, really, with co-captains, you're kind of making most of the technical decisions, doing all the, the rebuild of the demoralization, the, <laughs> the development of newer players. But actually, I think we're starting to find our groove now a little bit as a kind of threesome because Goose is the other vice captain. She's super organised, which is really great for game days. And like I say, Molly's got that experience. And I just think you're a bit more switched on than me. You can foresee how things are going to go down, whereas I just sort of say what comes into my head. And that probably comes (laughs) with experience. So you're a bit mellower and, you you know, sometimes a bit better at articulating yourself sometimes. And obviously you've got the technical knowledge. And then I suppose I'm more of the kind of motivator or demotivated, depending on how you take the words. But no, on the whole, I think quite a good balance. I think initially it was quite hard for the girls to respond to me because I was just a player like them. You know, I was always late, used to dick around quite a bit. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm turning up reasonably on time and barking orders at people. It, not, not as bad as that, you know, I'm quite laid back at training. But I think it was quite hard for them to respond to that. And I don't think people... Let's just caveat that, Katie. Your, your version of laid back is most people's version of 10 Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So normally I'm on 10 Red Bulls, but then I was like turning up on 20. People were like, whoa. And I think they found it quite hard to respond to initially, but we seem to have kind of got to some sort of middle ground now. Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning as well, obviously this applies to, to you, Mol, and, and actually all of us, to be fair, that when you picked up the captaincy, it was, first of all, it was straight into COVID, wasn't it? And it was also after a season where it's fair to say that things didn't end as well as we'd like them to <laughs> from the perspective of a coach leaving. No, no, no. We had a season between that because Molly did that season. Oh, we came right, second yeah. that season. We came second in the league yeah, in the championship right. after the regrouping year. So I picked it up after that. We were sort of on steady ground then. We got all our games in, didn't we? But it literally, we had our last game of the season. And then seven days later, we're all in lockdown. And we're like, I think my phrase of the lockdown, didn't see that coming. Didn't see that, <laughs> didn't see that coming. The main goal, really, of that season was just trying to keep the girls together and keep everybody semi-sane. Um, well, it's been a hell of a job, actually. That hasn't it? Let's be honest. It's been yeah, it's been a tough few years from that perspective. But something I, I thought was quite interesting. We, we touched on it last 
podcast, actually, the idea of trying to get feedback from the squad. And we, we suggested to the teams out there when they're at certain points of the season might want to do some anonymous feedback and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty tough when you're in a position of leadership, isn't it? I remember as a coach, when I read the feedback, some player made a comment about training being boring or whatever it was. It gets in your head and it makes, it, you take it quite personally, don't you? Well, initially I was like, right, we've got broad shoulders, hit me with it. <laughs> then I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I remember Molly gave me some feedback and I was like, who said that? She's like, I'm not saying. I was like, <laughs> like tell me who is. I, I can't deal with you if you don't tell me. She goes, I'm not telling you any names because you're going to go and hunt them down and skin them alive. It begins no. with J and ends in OD. Jody, I'm coming for you. No, so I think it is hard because you don't want to take it personally because ultimately it's about your role as captain, not necessarily you as a person. But quite often it's very hard to separate the two because actually your leadership often reflects you as a person. So for example, if somebody says, you know, oh, Katie just needs to tone it down a bit or she needs to think about how she's articulating herself, I'm like, that's kind of fundamental to who I am as a person. So it is quite difficult, but I think you can always see the positive in everything in the sense that I think we when we did our kind of mid-season feedback Molly I think it was quite hard for at times some of the you know some of the things we found we didn't necessarily agree with and we found quite difficult to swallow but actually we responded to everything really proactively and because we did that I think we gained a lot more respect from the team and actually they then started to step up as well because like well hang on a minute these guys have taken our points on board. Like we adapted warm-ups, we adapted training, you know, I had to think about our approach to game days, selection, talking to players, post-match feedback, all of those different things. And in response to that, actually the players have all stepped up as well. So as hard as it was at the time, I think it's actually been a really positive thing. I know what you asked me to join the podcast that week, Matt, and I was like, I do not think it's a good time for me to speak. <laughs> <laughs> in public I think um, exact words but I'm not sure whether I'm going to start ranting or just burst into tears yes I think that was kind of it it was quite difficult and also I had COVID at the time so I was quite tired and emotional slash mental because I've been stuck in the house but I think you'll probably agree Molly that actually it was kind of a turning point for us in the season wasn't it I definitely think so. But what I would say, Matt, is I know when we did the um, feedback initially, maybe what, four seasons ago, we were quite a new team. And although some of the comments were, you know, a little bit cutthroat, I think now, unfortunately, because everyone's a lot more comfortable with the captains and coaches, the feedback was even more severe and honest and brutal <laughs> than maybe years gone by. But I think it's really important that if the coaches and captains can take feedback, the players have to as well. And I think at that time, they didn't want feedback. They weren't willing to accept accountability. Whereas now, I think, you know, on Wednesday, we had a conversation about delivering hard messages. So tackling shit, no, five people have missed that tackle. Whose fault is that? Well, it's the five people that missed the tackle. And it was about, well, you've given us our feedback. And actually, this is the feedback from tonight. In a men's game, it would be, boys, that was a wank training session, 50 laps of the pitch. Whereas in the women's game, I find at our level, it's, guys, you know, we just need... Uh, no, sorry, you've missed your tackles. We need a bit of old school. And I think that's where Katie's been fundamental to the change because she can deliver the message that potentially we may have pussyfooted around. Do you know what I mean? I think we've needed it. What I found coaching was that you come off a train paddock and I would always try and read the room a little bit and see what people's body language was, whether people were bored or you know out of breath or what. And sometimes you come away from the training session thinking, that was decent, I, I enjoyed that, it was good fun. 
And then you just get a load of messages saying shit afterwards. It was really hard to get genuine honesty. And sometimes you'd even get that criticism like third hand, like a week later, so-and-so told so-and-so, and it's like, oh, Jesus. And it becomes yeah, quite really thankless, doesn't it? Molly and Lou, actually, question for you guys, because obviously you've, you know, you've been in that vice role and also as players. How difficult is it to play that second fiddle in a way and also concentrate on your own game? I didn't really see it as second fiddle as much as it was divide and conquer. When I was vice captain for Molly, Molly instinctively took on various roles that were really key to her personality and her strengths. And I did things that similarly for me. And it was quite an easy job, actually. Well, it wasn't easy. All right, Lou. But- <laughs> to be fair, you were on a good winning streak, weren't you? Yeah. Back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was still a tough gig. It was easy as in we just knew kind of how to divide it up. It just kind of happened. Yeah, I think that's key, isn't it? And that's kind of been key to our season, hasn't it, Molly? Now, but it's taken us a while to work out whose strengths are what. Yeah, I think vice-captain has to be the support role for the captain, like has to keep you sane because everyone has a breaking point. And I think, like Kate said, it is a lot easier when you're winning captaincy Vice captaincy coaching is a hundred percent time over. You take a winning season, and I think me and Lou actually became friends through being vice captain and captain because we worked so well together. And like Lou said, we played to our strengths. I think what Katie said is everyone finds their caveat. So Katie will never be on time and will never be organised, but she's got me and Goose, who are like a dog with a bone, driving that, and that's why it works. Katie's intensity is very different to Goose's, likewise very different to me. And I think you need a mixed bag to be a successful team. I also think as well, it's important to know what your key strength is. And Katie, the thing I've I've always had massive respect for with you is that you will absolutely give it everything on the pitch. And as a role model, you may not necessarily say the right things at the right time, but my God, you play <laughs> the way that the game needs to be played sometimes. And I think that is important to anything else, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. The want and the passion is always there. And I would never expect somebody to do what I wouldn't. So, you know, when I'm asking the team to empty the tank, it's not just me barking at them. It's me saying the same to myself that, hang on a minute, you've got to dig deep. And I will be the first person to hold my hand up if I make a mistake and get myself down to training that week and beast myself. And I think that's that's really important as a captain. Before anything else, you've got to lead by example, haven't you? Totally. One of the main requirements of being a captain is to be a role model and I think both Molly and Katie you've done this in absolute space because you do not expect anybody on that pitch to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself and you absolutely both give everything you possibly can every minute you're on that pitch and I think that's one of the key things to being a great captain. Rugby is hard enough without your equipment letting you down. From badly fitting shirts to shorts that cut off your circulation, many sportswear manufacturers haven't worked out how to make kit that fits for the rich variety of women's shapes and sizes. After years of development, feedback and research, Halbro have done what many bigger sportswear brands have yet to achieve, designed a playing kit specifically to fit the female form. With curves in all the right places, four-way stretch, and a cut to suit all shapes and sizes, Halborough are uniquely placed to give your team the shirts they deserve. For more information, contact Fergus at halborough.com. To learn more about what Halborough can do for you, 
to see some amazing case studies, visit www.halbro.com forward slash women's hyphen rugby and don't forget to mention grassroots. Jodie, as a player, you know, you've played under a couple of captains now, haven't you? And obviously in, in before you joined this club as well. What do you look for in a captain? What gets the best out of you as a player? Someone who knows what they're doing. That's it. Someone who just knows what they're doing. Someone who has a sort of idea of the game and can sort of interpret it and give feedback, basically, and watch the game and take it in. Because I'm not the sort of person who can take anything in the game. Anyone who can see improvement and where you can improve is always good. I think you're brilliant at that, Molly, to be fair. I've always struggled more with the technical side, <laughs> especially with the offside and talking to the referees. But luckily for me, I've always got Molly in my ear going, say this, say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. high tackle, was it that Chubbs did? I was like, Katie, mitigation, mitigation. <laughs> and then I was like, there is none, but we try. What I was thinking as well, Matt, is you said this, I think. Captain has to be the first name on the team sheet, hands down, every week. If your captain is somebody that's not likely to get picked every week, it's a very hard battle because they don't have the presence and ability and that credibility that people look for. If you're not sure whether you're going to pick the captain, that's quite a tricky position to be in as a coach. Massively. I think that's hugely important. When you play in teams where the captain isn't necessarily first pick on the team sheet, it can be incredibly awkward. Because the rest of the team look at that player and think, why should I follow them? And they're not even as good as me, you know. I wouldn't say I was necessarily the first name on the team sheet, but I'd like to think I was one of the starting 15. <laughs> Tricky to captain from the bench. I do think that is that is important as well. And like say, leading by example, emptying the tank. Even if you don't say the right things, certainly show the right things. And I think the team's got to know me well enough now to maybe watch what I do rather than listen to what I say. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true i just listen yeah. to what you say sit back and um watch what happens <laughs> yeah there are moments when i can't speak when i'm puffed out so actually that's um quite a nice break for everyone that is really hard as well i get really dry mouth during the game now because you're constantly like chops in and i think i probably get more nervous than i used to I don't know why like sometimes I'm literally like spitting feathers before we've even kicked off is it yourself who doesn't drink during the game no I always drink through the game I can't can't drink because it makes me want to vomit that is crazy I think I'd pass out I have to down like a huel shakes worth of water or juice before I play if it's really hot so when at sevens when I nearly got sunstroke I had to drink at half time was it in October uh, yes, the sun cream was out. No, jokes aside, it was bloody boiling that day and I'm not built for yeah, seven. Molly entered two teams. She entered two teams into that tournament. I think I rocked up because I was, I was late. I was working. And though I think we'd already lost about three players and it was like, oh yeah, we were down to like our bare seven and we had about eight back-to-back games to play. <laughs> and we were nearly dead by the end of it. We might rethink about how many teams. Sarah just goes halfway through. Oh yeah, I've called it a day now. I'm on the beers. <laughs> oh, have you? Lovely. <laughs> we'll just soldier on then. <laughs> so funny. Well, it wasn't at the time. I wanted to kill her. We were like cherries by the end of it. This is Molly's grassroots salute. Obviously, I've already put this on Instagram, but I think it deserves a massive shout out. So there was a match 
not this weekend, the weekend before with Darlington. And I think they were playing Didsbury. And I think it just highlighted, especially what happened uh, in Evesham with Jack passing away when he was playing. Actually, sometimes rugby does go wrong. And it's about having the right people on board to make sure that you're okay to deal with that situation. So without going in the ins and outs of it all, one of the players from Darlington got knocked out and actually stopped breathing. And two of the ladies on Darlington's team reacted very quickly and did CPR. And thankfully, the player survived. But I just think it's fantastic that, well, one, they knew what to do. Two, they just did it when it must have been a very difficult situation for them knowing that that player. It does highlight that actually rugby can go wrong sometimes and it is quite a serious impact of sport. But what a family effort they showed by, you know, clubbing around and making sure she was okay. I'm always amazed at like how when, when there are injuries on the pitch, and, and they do have, they're never nice, and sometimes they're more serious than other times. But the people who are fully trained in the right thing, so we've got a paramedic on our team, for example, and we've had doctors in the past. I'm always in awe of how calm they are, how quick they are to react to the situation. Because I, I remember the first time it happened to me as a coach and a player went down injured, and I literally froze, had no idea what to do. I knew I had to be on the pitch and to go over to speak to them. I got there and I was like, you okay? <laughs> Whereas the ones that are really trained in it, when they spring into action, it's it's impressive to watch, but it's also mega important, isn't it, in those situations? It's amazing to watch. We're so lucky on our team as well. What if we got a couple of physios, a paramedic, we used to have a doctor. We used to have two doctors. And actually, Dubs is technically a doctor. But I'm not sure <laughs> she would know what to do in a medical situation. If we needed some forensic science on the pitch, she'd be there. She'd be all over it. She'd get the fingerprints. I think we could do with a vet. There was a pitch side, a pitch side robbery. We were a vet. We were veteran nurse. Debs. Are we? Veteran nurse. Oh, yes. Didn't help that sheep that time, did she? Who's a farmer on our team? We used to have Ella. Ella. Yeah. And we used to have Shiv. That's true. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, true. So if someone ever like went into labour, maybe I feel like that if someone in our if our, in our team sort of start breathing, Katie would be like, "Get up, get up, no, come on, you still got more in your tank, get up." <laughs> if you can cry for help, you've got some energy left. <laughs> Do you know when Joyce did her ankle? Yeah, <laughs> which was hilarious, by the way, because she actually just stepped backwards and fell backwards over the rock. She looked so special. <laughs> And she was just lying there. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I actually can't walk. Oh, sorry. Maybe step aside. <laughs> yeah, but also I extended the arm of um, sympathy when she was hobbling on the sidelines. I said, what are you doing, Joyce? Get back on the bloody pitch. You're a prop. Not a bloody 15. Come on. And to be considering she just literally fell backwards over a rook. She didn't deserve any sympathy. <laughs> no one knows what she was doing. She brought that on herself. I said, what Absolutely. have you got? A bit of a hurty ankle? Come on. You're not that sympathetic either, Lou, are you? No, not really, no. Not really. Not known for it. Just to continue on from Molly's shout out, those of you listening to the last podcast would have heard a, a bit from um, Keswick Falcons who were gearing up for their first game. So I had a message back from them a couple of days ago that despite the ridiculous weather, they managed to find a pitch somewhere to play, a 4G pitch, and they had a go against uh, their local rivals, Penrith, and they managed to win their first ever game 17 points to 12. So that's Woo-hoo! fantastic. Oh, wow. Keswick, so that's well done. brilliant. By the sounds of it, it was, a, it was a good day. And to quote Leanne in her message, they retreated back to the clubhouse for several thousand beers to celebrate, she said. So, <laughs> so well done. I hope well done you didn't Keep destroy your clubhouse in the process. Um, she also sent me a picture of her knee that was pretty smashed up. I think the, uh, the, the combination of a physical game and AstroTurf has left there with some pretty nasty bruising on her knee. So if anyone's got any ideas of how to 
Knee pads. Not get a smash. Yeah, there you go. Knee pads. Molly, well, you're an advocate of the knee pads, aren't you? Yeah, because I've got none. They're basically absolutely fucked. When you're playing on 4G, I, I would always wear skins. <laughs> I don't even care what anyone thinks. I'd still call myself a bit of a <laughs> big girl. Um, is Louise going to cover the big result in our league, or can we give a grass uh, root salute to uh, our old friends? I'm not sure we should. <laughs> oh, do it, do it, Lou. Obviously, our league has been highly competitive this season, with us firmly towards the lower half. However, there was the top of the league clash yesterday between Bishop Auckland and Sale 1861. As much as we love people to do really well in our league, we don't really want everyone to win every game. So uh, Bishop Auckland beat Sale yesterday. Was it 22-10? Wow. I know. So the last match they played was two points in it. So I think it was 27-25 to Sale. So a really, really tough battle. But Bishop Auckland uh, travelled to Sale yesterday and 22-10, I think they caused a bit of an upset. So it's neck and neck now at the top of our table. And we can just stand back and watch. With the popcorn out. That's great for the game, isn't it? We've been that team in the past. When you've got one very dominant team that's winning all their matches, it's great, but it, it does make certain fixtures less relevant to others. When you have an upset like this, it just means that every single match counts. The availability is mega important. Getting the training is mega important because if you slip up, you've had it. So brilliant news. Well done, Bishop Auckland's in sale. Keep fighting. And now we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Leanne Grave, Keswick Falcons, badly bruised and Astro burnt knee. Sarah Swinnerton, crew and Antwich ladies, gouged out eyeball. Maggie Murphy, local woman of mystery, missing in action after a night out. The entire team, Sale, 1861, broken hopes and dreams. Hayley Lloyd, Cheltenham North ladies, ACL and MCL tear, get well soon Hayley. They shall grow not cold, as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the muds condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. Saturday, by the way. Jodie, I was a bit concerned that you were at work yesterday. Just, I should not have driven. I was impressed that in. I should not have driven. It was Upper really mass. bad. Upper mass. I went up about three rungs and I was like, I can't do this. Came back down, vomed. I was like, oh, fuck, I'll go back up again. Oh my God. It was touch and go. It was the worst. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> One of the uh, vice captain's jobs is to actually help the captain chunder. So while Katie was throwing her guts up on Saturday night, I, I was stood there lovingly rubbing her back with a glass of water. 
while she decorated the rifleman's patio. Yeah, but the first time she threw up, she was like, went on full on mum mum mode, but responsible mum mode. Didn't and started she? Yeah. like scooping her own chunks of vomit up. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Did um Shez relive about Maggie? What her hitting you on you, Batty? Oh god, yeah, she said you can sit on my face. It's quite alarming. I tell you what, Maggie's my postwoman. I wouldn't I wouldn't ever throw Maggie under the bus. Never know what's gonna happen to my parcels if I did that. Jeez, um, I'll tell you what, any captain there that's got a sherry on their team, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Well, how would you describe Captain and Sherry then? <laughs> oh, my God. You just have to pick and choose what your aspects of the game you're going to try and explain. I mean, I remember we were in mid-game. Someone goes, right, so Sherry, we're doing a purple. Like, purple? What the fuck's a purple? I'm like, do you know what? Just run forwards. Just run forwards. And if you get the ball, keep hold of it. It's the simplest way to deal with that situation. Yeah, but she never lets go of the ball, even when she's meant to let go of the ball. Yeah, so she runs forward, then she keeps hold of it, and then when she hasn't got it, and she joins a rook, she tries to grab it then as well. <laughs> There's no hope. There's literally no hope. You just have to set the expectations from the offset, don't you? Hope for the best. She brings the boom, and she brings the bounce. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen... The promised land. I the rock, I the river, I the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know about Catholic. So, Sherry, topic for today. We're going to be talking about captaining a women's team. It'd go to shit. <laughs> It'd just be chaos. Just do what the hell you want. It'd be chaos. Obviously, as a player, and Jodie, you know, you'll have some take on this as well. What goes into being a good captain when you think about what a captain has to deal with on the pitch and off the pitch? That cannot be an easy job. I'd say being approachable, but then we've got Katie, who is... Psychotic. Quite, yeah. <laughs> off-putting sometimes in a game I wouldn't say approachable on the pitch be approachable on the pitch off the pitch what's a typical Katie team talk there when you're under the it's sticks a lot of shouting 10 minutes in don't fucking let that go again go 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 tempo tempo ah. bit of swearing yeah, like she's bit of mad ranting 15 pints of Red Bull she's like a caged dog it's been released quick run off to go breastfeed a child comes back on and then afterwards when she has time to mull it all over she goes around with the apologies and I realise she's pissed 90% of the team off. But she doesn't think about that till later. <laughs> and then it all drops. She comes around with her apology book. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I offend you when I said that? Luckily, oh, I'm not I'm easily sorry, offended. I'm just so keen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was just in the zone. No, she calls it passionate. Yeah. Sorry, I just got too passionate there and I apologise. Apologise for calling you all useless cunts, but I was passionate. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. You just hit the nail on the head. That is exactly like she's what in the she room. Does. Yeah. You're all fucking shit. I was just a bit passionate at the time. It just means so much to me, but you're all shit. But sorry, sorry. Too much pressure. What would be your start as captain then, Shaz? Well, there wouldn't be, would there? I'd delegate everything. I wouldn't do anything myself because I'm too busy. So I'd be it, and then everyone would get a job. And all the jobs would be gone, so I wouldn't have a job. That's good captain, yeah, that Delegate. What about team talk, Shaz? Obviously, they play a role, don't they? What's the best team talk you've ever had? They're all pretty similar approach, aren't they? Yeah. It's nil-nil, girls. It's nil-nil. That's the key one. Um, <laughs> heads up, heads up. Little wins, little wins. Just repeat yourself twice. That's what it is. Repetition. 
You've got to say words twice. Keep your heads up, girls. Keep your heads up, girls. It's all nil-nil. It's nil-nil. Let's go out there. Let's go get them. Let's go out there and go get them. You just keep repeating yourself. That's a team talk. <laughs> just play it on a loop. Do any stick in your mind then, Shez, from over the years of playing? You know, when you've, had a, you've been under savage, the sticks or you've been... I can't even remember. It was just... She had a, I don't mean, like, probably what she said was savage. I can't remember. But just a savage approach. We knew we were all fucked if we didn't perform. Literally beasted. Drop and give me 90. It was one of them. Nobody needed that. But she tried to be, like, savage with me, but I just kept making her laugh and it just didn't work. How did the captain get the best out of you then, Shez? You're a bit slack around the park. You've got a yellow card again. You've been crawling around trying to get them in the middle of rucks. Captain needs to get hold of you and say, look, Sherry, sort your shit out. How did they best approach that? I usually get an eye roll. That's definitely first. I usually get that vacant, <laughs> I'm fucking lost for words. I, have you actually done that again? That's the look. I get that look, that really. And then they know there's not really any point telling me anything because I'm usually oblivious to what I've actually done. So when they try and say to me, why did you do that? I'm still at that point, after the yellow card, unaware of what I've actually done. So yeah, it must be quite stressful when you're the captain and I am not. Or the other one is I normally do it and I straight away know, shit, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Oh my God. But it's too late, I've done it. You know, like playing the ball on the floor, my old favourite. Straight away that I get the ball in my hand, I think, shit, I've done it again, haven't I? And I turn round and the captain is glaring at me with steam coming out of her ears. But there are no words. There are no words that can put that situation right. How about you, Jodie? Because, like, as a player, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, but you do run a bit hot and cold. When <laughs> you're on it, you're pretty like ferocious. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're pretty ferocious when you're on it. You run hard, you tackle hard, you're, you're all over the park. Then when you can't really be asked, you're not really, are you? Let's yeah, be honest. so much. So how, if Sherry was your captain, how would she get you to switch from away with the fairies to ripping off heads? I don't know. Like you've come out of the crazy phase. You're quite normal. What yeah. crazy phase did I have? Well, you're just a bit unpredictable at times. We never knew which Jodie was coming. I don't mean <laughs> in play. You've always been a good player, but sometimes you were easily led to the craziness by me. Right now, you'd probably tell me, don't do that. Be sensible. <laughs> Gemini. Yeah. Two-faced. Well, different personalities. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've gone normal. I'm so far from that, but <laughs> I think I have. Grand old age now. Getting on a bit. I think talking to people individually really helps for me. If it's like if you're in a group situation, you're all chatting like, "Oh, come on, we need to do this." Jody, da 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 da, doesn't really touch the sides. But if you like come and speak to me before the game or personally half time, if you come to me and have a conversation, if I am doing something wrong, I want to be told in the right way because I want to not do it again because obviously that fucks up for the team. But I hate it when people in the team just randomly scream at you. And they're not even the captain anyway. Because then I end up losing it and then the captain loses it on me for losing it. There's a correct approach. And normally when you get in the incorrect approach, it's not even from the captain. It'll be from someone else. And that's what winds <laughs> me up. Yeah, I can see that. One of the frustrations I had as a coach yeah, was the number of players that would come to me after a match and say, oh, I just have a word with you about the game. Yeah, yeah, fine, no problem. And it'd be... Oh, yeah, I'm really not happy with the way whatever the captain was spoke to me at that moment. I thought it was really disrespectful and all this sort of stuff. Shut the fuck up. See, I'm not like that at all. I, I deal with things right there, right then, mid-game, and that's what I get bollocked for because I have to do that. I'm like that in life. I can't wait a couple of hours and just deal with that. I have to do it right now or it winds me up. That's Is that why you wanted to know if you could tackle your own teammates? Yeah. 
Still don't have an answer on that. Although, actually, I might be getting a ref on the pod. Oh, God. A female ref. Let's be honest. The referees are always biased to whatever team they're associated with. Remember that time where I rolled and rolled and rolled and kept rolling? What was wrong with that? Sandy pulled me for that. I was really chuffed. You're only supposed to roll one and a half times, Joey. Yeah, but it used to be a different thing. He doesn't know I'm about a year behind on the laws. Someone should have told him But that. again, if you rolled twice, you'd have probably got away with it. <laughs> you rolled about five times. It was like watching at the, in the middle of a cricket match when they get the roller out to flatten the pitch down a little bit. You could see where you've been. All the ground was just completely flat. I you was mean, don't, you don't have an RFU changed. handbook, Jerry. I thought Martin knew all the laws anyway. Funny I suppose he doesn't no. tell you at bedtime. Yeah, he does, but I don't listen to him either. <laughs> That's why he gets stressed out. <laughs> Good captain there, we reckon. Individual support and advice. Getting the best out of the team by listening. And also giving clear instructions, are we saying? I know what they're doing. That's a good start. Like a good commentator, sort of know the game, see how it flows, sort of take in the game. I can't do that sort of stuff. If something's happened, I forget it. But the captain's like, that's a well, good I'd game. Well, I'd be shit. Defence is great. I'm like, is it? I don't Imagine know. Imagine me as the captain trying to tell people how to do their job when I don't even know what I'm doing myself. That is never going to work, <laughs> is it? That is chaos. That's I think we should get you chaos. to captain a game one day. Oh, my God. If, I'm sure Katie's on holiday when we've got a game. This weekend, she's skiing. Oh, we're going to get Sherry's captain. Is she? I'm make sure that Molly's happens. it. Are you playing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Molly's vice, isn't she? Can we make you vice captain then? Tell Molly you're going to be captain for 10 oh, minutes and see what happens. go to shit. Can you imagine when the ref calls me over, if, can we have a chat? Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, dear. I dread <laughs> to think. So if the team's not performing then, right? So it does happen. It happens to us quite a few times where everyone's a bit flat and a bit can't be asked. How would you How would you lift the team then? How would you want your captain to bring a bit more energy to the group? Because sometimes by just saying, come on, sort your shit out, it makes it worse. My approach would be, it doesn't matter if it's legal or not, just do what you got to do. We need to win this. And so it just go to shit. There'd be that many yellow cards. <laughs> It'd go down in history as the most carded game that ever happened. <laughs> like a nightclub brawl. brawl. I respond more God. to carrot than stick when anything tells what to do. So if the yeah. good wins, like Jodie doing that, away, amazing, keep keep that up. Rather than going, you've missed that, right? You need to sort out defence, stop keeping a dog leg and stuff like that. Yeah, but when it's too negative, it does get on your nerves. Only getting told what you're doing wrong, yeah, not right. I definitely like the carrot. But we don't really have that in our team. We don't get all the negative, do we? It has been in the past, but... No. Gets a bit heated sometimes. You know yourself it? when you've done something wrong, don't you? Well, generally, unless you're me. Yeah. And you think it's something right. You're off celebrating because you've done something awesome, then realise it's actually illegal. Captain leading by example is yeah. important. The one thing you can never fault Katie for is getting stuck in, working hard. Yeah, you definitely need someone like off. Katie in the changing room fire! before to fire you up. From Becky, from the Gravesend Gremlins. Dear Auntie Shares. I've got to say that I love listening about your colourful life on the podcast and you've personally helped me become more assertive at discount time in Aldi. My husband has thoroughly enjoyed his ham sandwiches and the pressure washer I picked up in the centre aisle for a bargain has been brilliant for cleaning muddy boots and the greasy handprints off the passenger side windows of the Volvo. I can't wait to see you while I'm a celebrity and will definitely vote for you. I'm sure Jamie Roberts will fall for you in no time. My question is this. As a more mature player, I have, on occasions, found that the effects of childbirth can cause a few problems on the pitch, particularly when I'm lifting the line-outs, when I've been tackled, or sometimes just through a bit too much excitement when we score a try. What can you recommend to help with this embarrassing little problem? Yours sincerely, Becky. Did you say she's getting lifted? It's never good. She wants to move herself, doesn't she? I recommend she gets out of the (laughs) line-out. Definitely not getting lifted. That is not very appropriate for the lifters. I think even you're going to want to go past Tenor Lady. If she's at that 
level where she can't not leak in the line out. Tenor lady aren't even going to cut it. Three pairs of leggings, perhaps. Obviously one seam. We don't want to piss the ref off further. Possibly a sponge. She could get a flannel. Also (laughs) sold in Aldi. Yeah, that's probably cheaper because then she could wash it in the showers. You know, bring it out. Have a shed. Yeah, she could have a chaise flannel. But yeah, I think first and foremost, she wants to definitely like move to fullback or something like that. Do not be the person getting lifted. That's not okay. It's not okay. Definitely. Can I give some actual advice? Maybe speak with a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Chess is medically trained. Yeah. Katie Irene is the person who needs to have this question thrown to her because she has the same trouble. Only on Saturday in the Rifleman. Firstly, if it's not bad enough, she vomits on the table. <laughs> she peed herself while she was vomiting. Oh. <laughs> Double yeah. whammy. Yeah, I then go into the toilets and Katie's doing the splits against the wall under the hand dryer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you could throw that question out to Leaky Katie. She was literally doing a handstand under the dryer. Her legs were at quarter three while someone kept setting the dryer off repeatedly. Bringing up the carrots also exploded her bladder. It was not pretty. It was not a pretty sight. And she's only had two kids. Could you play with a catheter? Would that be Probably feasible? It'd be pretty Where painful, would you put the bag? Just in your, your back sock. pocket. <laughs> your oh, yeah. There's someone drops on it in the scrum. Nice. I've never Very had a nice. catheter, so I don't know what it's like. Surely you've had one recently, uh, Matt, with your recent medical issues? No, I managed to avoid the catheter, thankfully. No, I didn't. You know. still ball the nipples down. It's coming back a bit. It's a bit itchy now, to be honest. It's like scratchy, stubble. Maybe nice. you just need to get a sack back and crack and get rid of it once and for all. Go and see Pim and Pam. That's it's not a permanent out. fix. Just get really sweaty. It's horrible. Nice. Not very nice. I don't think you could play with the catheter because it'd no, be painful for a start. It'd just straight your movement, wouldn't it? Particularly with a woman. Definitely not a thing. There's no way you could guarantee you're going to get whipped out at speed. That's not what you want, is it? You're just no, crashing exactly. over the try line for a glory try and there's like a fountain of piss just following you. <laughs> just a bag of piss dragging along behind you. Nobody wants to be in that kind of pain. How about going to no, the toilet right. before you play? This is why she's like a rabid dog then during the game. She's dehydrated. There is Probably someone why, that, yeah. that refuses to drink in case they piss themselves. Joyce. Oh so in summary, for Becky at Grey's End Gremlins, so our advice that- is... Don't be the lift, lifted in the line out first. Don't be lifting the line out. No. Get yourself a sponge. Yeah, flannel. A couple of pairs of single seam leggings, a flannel. Have a wee before the game. I don't think, yeah, restrict fluid intake. Maybe see a and, doctor. Yeah, and make sure you've got some very strong shower gel for after the game. <laughs> oh, and avoid wearing grey at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, that's never good. Definitely no grey or white. Yeah, no grey or white. Absolutely not. You don't want to wear anything that's like going to keep fluids in either because you end up blowing up like a balloon, wouldn't you? Cling film could be an option. <laughs> Multiple layers. You want undershorts, leggings and shorts and knickers. Oh, period knickers. They've got they're like a 10 lady, but thicker. They're more absorbent than a regular, regular pair of knickers. No. And a cling there film loincloth. A cling film loincloth. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just stuff your knickers with like a kitchen roll or something a full kitchen yeah, roll bounty bounty's yeah. might be good have you got a weak bladder or are you just happy to see me 
So, pleased to announce that we've finally got a winner of our shit kit competition. Better be our team, Molly. No, we haven't fucking won. <laughs> we didn't even enter. I love that. Crew won. It's quite a big mouthful for me. So, uh, Matt, you might have to help me here. Launceston Ladies Rugby Team. So, Launceston Women's Rugby Team, you are the winners of our shit kit competition. So, many thanks for entering. So, we will make contact with you to make sure that you get the prize, which is uh, the amazing grassroots hamper. So, I just need to get a, an up to date signed photo of Shed Says to go in it and a, and a few other bits. Where's um, Launceston? Um, it's in Southwest. It was a very strong entry. We had a pea green, a shit brown kit, a white one with a black cross on, and then one that can only be described as dresses. They do not fit. What a mess. Launceston or Launcester? Launceston. Launceston. So Launceston women's rugby team who are in Cornwall. That's a very long way away. So the original plan was to, to go down and hand deliver it. <laughs> yeah. Um, road trip, Which, which would be a really cool down. road trip. Yeah, Via Stowbridge so, on the way. Yeah, we need to go to Stourbridge as well and see Darren and his mates. Yeah, we'll see whether that's feasible to deliver it in person. So it's a fairly long way away, but uh, we'll look into it. But in the meantime, well done on your revolting kit. And uh, let's hope since you sent the photo in, you've managed to get in touch with Harold Bro or, or similar to get yourself sorted with something a little bit so more So they won a whole kit? No, they've won some Harold Bro stash and um, a grassroots hamper. Not to be sniffed at. You could send Sherry down with it. She can't drive on motorways. She just take the back roads. <laughs> <laughs> the back roads to now. Cornwall. See you in a fortnight, <laughs> Jodie, this is the new segment, which is knock on, knock off. I can't yes. wait. So if you weren't listening last week, the rules are I will either give a name of a rugby club, a rugby player, or a rugby team associated with women's rugby. You have to guess if it's real, which is a knock on, or if I've just made it up, which is a knockoff. You also get the bonus point. If it is a knock-on, you can tell me what country they're from. Okay, we all ready? And play at home. I'm sorry for the mispronunciation of this one, but Reckit Binkiser. Reckit Binkiser. Reckit Binkiser. Yeah. Is that knock-on or a knock-off? From what Casey's just said, I'm saying knock-on. Yeah, knock-on. It's a knock-on. All knock-on? Yeah. Okay. I don't understand the game. Oh, is it, say knock on or knock off and just go with it. I'll just go with whatever Lou says. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're all going knock on. Knock on? Yeah. No, that is in fact the producer of Bongella. Oh, yeah, they're um, like a massive pharmaceutical company, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Not no, you got it wrong. Well, so what? So you got it wrong. So you say knock on if they're a rugby club or something? Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I could have told you that. My friend works for them. It was in the explanation of the game. Sorry, I, I switched off. I only did the explanation for you because you weren't here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's a knockoff. Oh, right. Win. The next one. Blinding Rugby Club. I think that is a rugby club, so why do I say knock on? You do say knock on if you think it's real. I'm going to say knock off. Knock on. I'm saying knock on. Okay. Everyone bar Matt got that right. It is a yeah. rugby club. Yay. And for a bonus point, can you tell me what country it is? I will give you a clue. The club is spelt with capital K. Oh, is it like um, Russia, Afghanistan, somewhere on? That would be um, Afghanistan. Big on their women's rugby. I'm just thinking of like Eastern places. Poland. London. Is it Poland? Rugby club. Okay, you're going Poland. Anyone else? Germany. Oh, okay. That sounds more realistic. 
Don't bow to the pressure. Stick to your guns, Katie. Russia. I think it's just because Russia's been in the news. Oh, my God. It's on our brain. Don't want to get political. Okay. Any other guesses, countries? No, no idea. Okay. The answer's Norway. It's just no. in Oslo. Blindian Rugby Club. Ah. Wow. Should we get a friendly? <laughs> <laughs> Play it in the summer, please, God. Oh, God, that would be yeah. brilliant. All heading off with our Eskimo suits. <laughs> I think they've only got a sevens team, so. Oh, my God. We definitely need some subsuits for that game. Definitely. definitely. To the one is Worms Rugby Club. Worms? W-O-R-M-S. Uh, knock, knock on. on. Knock off. I'm going knock, knock off. I'm going knock, I'm on. knock on. Knock off. Okay, so... Katie and Matt, you win. It's a knock-on. Yes. yes. Where's Worms? I'm going to say in Germany. I think it's in Belgium. Correct. It is Germany. Oh. <sighs> I knew there was a place in Germany called Did Worms. Did you Google Worms. that? I think no. you Google that. Hey, I can't Google that quickly. Crikey. And finally, Worms. Iranian raptors. Iranian, Iranian raptors. raptors. That Iranian. sounds like a dinosaur. I think it's a knock-on. It's definitely got to be a rugby club. Knock-off. Knock-off. Actually, if we're going for the scarf. Knock off. Katie's the only one that got that right. It's a knock off. Go on, Katie. God, if I'd listened from the start, I would have got that first one right as well. Can you tell me what country it's in? Well, Iran. Okay. Anyone else? Is it a trick question? (laughs) No, it's Oranian. It wasn't spelled Iranian. Oranian. Probably pronouncing it wrong as well. I'm going to say Canada. Canada. It is Germany again. Ah. Ah. Give you a double Germany. Brilliant. German special of knock on, knock on. It is. Yeah. Brathurst special. Did anyone total up the points? I think Katie yeah, won, I won, didn't she? Yeah, I think I lost. Katie. Wow, oh, wow. Guest host wins. But to win something this season. <laughs> if you paid attention at the start, you would have had a full house. I know. This is what I need to start doing, listening. That'll be a good start. Good. Do you need to shoot more? Yeah, I need to get changed and then go coach. Yeah. I could do a dashing off as well. I've got this spaghetti bolognese to dish up <laughs> so you can't come to training but you can come on here and win the game right can i just confirm molly i have this booked in for i said i'd do this for ages and actually i can sit here and do this while my kids are here scott's not even back from work yet right i see we're up to our eyeballs we've got to go skiing on thursday so there's plenty oh. of plumbing that needs doing before we then saying that can we uh Shes be vice captain while you're in on skiing trip over my dead body it is over your dead body because you're the captain which means you should oh, be on. vice captain give it 10 minutes 10 minutes no, i can't captain. i can't promise that i'll have to consult goose <laughs> oh my god please god no i'm gonna say it's gonna be <laughs> i a feel no. like that'll be too hard to manage on the day we might as well get maggie to play they <laughs> <laughs> get the tell ladies out oh, are you god. going to that game jody yeah yeah oh she better have to be yeah, about time you put in a shift. We're dropping like flies here. I've been trying. This is Grassroots News with Lou. So I was going to talk a little bit about the freak weather that we've had recently. And there was a post put up by Bradford and Bingley Rugby Club that they've um, been flooded. And they've said again, so obviously it's not the first time, but the incredible amount of rainfall and burst rivers 
that we've had recently have damaged all three pitches, the floodlights, changing rooms, the gym and the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, literally looking at the pitches, there's hardly any green left. Uh, It is literally all underwater. And so I know most rugby clubs have suffered quite a lot with the torrential rain and lots of pitches aren't playable. Everyone's moving to 4G, but this one looks really, really bad. And they've set up a Just Giving page um, to help repair and replace the equipment damaged by the floods. But it must be pretty heartbreaking when that happens to your club. I know we all moan a little bit about our pitches are a bit muddy and, you know, the third pitch is a bit swampy and we've had to move to a 4G pitch and stuff. But this is pretty bad okay. if you fancied... Yeah, bad times, definitely. So if you wanted to check out Bradford and Bingley Rugby Club's Just Giving page and donate, that would be pretty awesome. Absolutely. We'll put the the link to the Just Giving page in the show notes and we'll put it on our Facebook and uh, Twitter page as well because these sorts of situations can completely ruin rugby clubs that are already a bit strapped for cash. So even the fiver can massively help if more people do it then it can solve some of these problems or at least alleviate some of the stress that these clubs are under when these sorts of things happen. Yeah, definitely. And my second bit was, it's called Vets Fest 22 and it's been published on the Women's Rugby Network and it's basically the new women's Vets Wooden Spoon team. Vets Fest is a charity and it helps fund mental health projects and young people in local areas and they're doing various events all over the country helping to raise funds for very worthy causes. Matt, you obviously said that I should discuss this being on the cusp of being a vet, but... I mean <laughs> on the cusp. <laughs> well, shut up. You're first on the team sheet. <laughs> well, shut you, thank you. <laughs> but this is the first year apparently that there's a women's team. Looks quite good. The little videos look pretty exciting. To me, looks like an opportunity for a whole day of secret punches and getting very injured and drunk so if that's your bag get involved, <laughs> get involved. Yeah. do you know what though on a serious note i think it's fantastic that this tournament's opened up to women's teams and it's also a real sign of how the game's growing because we were chatting earlier about this that as the game gets more popular and as teams get better and teams get more competitive and more players come into the game, it does mean that players that are getting towards the end of their playing careers and perhaps slowing down a little bit because there, there aren't the, the structures in place in a lot of the grassroots clubs. They could find themselves having to retire well before they're ready to do so because there simply isn't a team that they can play for because they can't quite get in the main side and maybe they, don't, they can't commit quite as much to training and so on as teams get more competitive and it could end up with players having to stop playing well before they're ready so to see that there's something out there for vets and for players that are perhaps a bit um, towards the end of their playing careers I think it's really good yeah and I think especially when there's clubs where there's just one team but there's quite a lot of players but not enough for two teams possibly you you players who are a little bit older like you said maybe can't just commit to all the trainings but still really want to play rugby don't necessarily always get picked it's a bit of a shame really because you think bloody hell if I I want to get selected I'm going to have to commit all my time to doing the training and the turn up to everything and all that but it can be tough sometimes yeah it can be tough it's emotionally tough as well because as you're getting towards the back end of your playing career you're aware of it very closely and you do start to feel like you're hanging on and you do start to feel like you're a bit of a spare part in the team and in the squad and so on and you feel like you're gradually getting squeezed out and it might be because you just can't commit the way you'd like to because of kids and work and all that kind of stuff and you know but you want to keep your hand in I think players probably do go away from the game perhaps earlier than they wanted to I know I certainly did because you just feel like you're not up to it and you feel like you're a bit of a spare part in the bigger squads so the more that teams can develop and the more they can retain the older players and actually find ways to to keep them playing I think it's a good development in the game for sure 
also, I love watching vets games, uh, certainly men's vets games anyway, because they're just so violent. <laughs> it's like just going for 80 minutes of, it's not even secret punches. It's just out and out proper punching warfare. and like yeah it's just warfare yeah <laughs> probably a little bit of rugby thrown in as well absolutely yeah. so any paramedics listening as well but get yourselves down to that tournament because <laughs> you'll be busy 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 that <laughs> afternoon i can tell you so an email from a brand new team starting up in wales st david's rufc in pembrokeshire which is right out on the coast at the bottom tip of Wales, they're starting up a women's team and are inviting adult players of all levels and experience to a taster session on the 21st of March. That's at 7pm. So if you're in that neck of the woods, fancy giving it a go, give David Witchell a call or a message. His email address is acwrfc2011 at gmail.com. Again, I'll put the email link in the show notes if you're interested in doing that. Voting is still open for the Sports Podcast Awards. Now, it's all getting quite exciting with the awards because they, they used to have leaderboards on their website, which was both uh, exciting but also disheartening when your league position hadn't moved since the last time or it had gone downwards. But they've now taken the leaderboards off as we get towards the end of the competition, so anything could happen in these last final weeks. So probably the last time we'll get a chance to give a shout-out for this and to beg and uh, plead for you all to, to vote. But um, if you haven't done so or would like to, the web address is www.sportspodcastawards dot com forward slash category forward slash 13 it is a little bit fiddly to register a vote but it only takes 30 seconds or so It'd be fantastic if we can overturn the mighty rugby pod and the good and the bad and the rugby to win the awards whilst it's a big ask all we can do is plead to you all and hope for the best this is a big ask it's a big ask <laughs> <laughs> You've got a podcast with royalty, international players with 80 caps, a ridiculous pedigree of working in Sky Television, backing of some major sponsors. Yeah, and they can actually video a podcast without major technical error. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's quite- From their purpose-built podcasting studio, rather than my back office, Katie's kitchen, Molly's front room. Don't my know how Jodie room. was. Yeah. <laughs> she was in her bed. She was in somebody's bed. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> also got some exciting news from our sponsor, Halbro. So they have very kindly offered to give away 25 pairs of playing shorts as a giveaway. So more on that in the next episode. This is really exciting. That's a very valuable and very generous prize from Halbro. So we're going to formulate a a way of entering that as a a competition. But certainly, if your team is really desperate for some kit, then get in touch. So we'll give you a bit more information on that in the next episode. But certainly, if your team is desperate for some new kit, then get in touch. Yeah, I'm sure we'll um, come up with an utterly ridiculous competition for you to enter. Well, that takes us to the end of episode 15. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and vote for us in the Sports Podcast Awards. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.